Okay. Hello, everybody. This is Keith Music Man Hanalek with the Final Vinyl Podcast, and today we're with Trevor Gordon Hall. How are you doing, Trevor? I'm good. How are you doing today? Good. Happy New Year. Thank you. You too. Let's hope this is a, this is a much better one than the last few, right? Has to be. <laughs> yes, it must be. It must be. There is no other choice. So this is the third album I've covered from you, uh, going back to 2014, uh, Mind, Heart, Fingers, then uh, Late Night with Headphones, Volume 1, and most recently, This Beautiful Chaos. And, awesome. uh, That's right, yeah. I, yeah. We have a history. <laughs> we do have a history. I forgot that, yeah, the um, the late night with headphones, I have kind of like a subcategory in my catalog of like sort of the electronic, uh, you know, electric guitar ambient type things. Um, so, I, yeah, that's right. I remember you, you uh, as you mentioned, that, I remember you did a wonderful review for that. So thank you. Sure, of course. So it's a pleasure to finally talk to you. And um, what I normally like to do is ask people, you know, what was it like growing up and what your influences were, things of that nature. You know, when did you start using uh, musical instruments to express yourselves and things like that? Anything you would like to begin the conversation along those lines? Sure, absolutely. So I grew up in upstate New York outside of Rochester, um, uh, this little town called Ontario, and I moved there when I was five, and uh, we had a piano in the house. And some of those early years, I remember hearing different television shows or movie themes and, you know, sitting down at the piano and just sort of, um, you know, trying to mimic what I just heard. And I remember that feeling being so exciting when I could hear something, you know, on the TV, and then the fingers were making this connection on the piano um, to actually play what I was hearing. Um, but I always felt like piano was never very intuitive to me. Um, and, you know, this is back, at, so I was born in 85, so yeah, early 90s is when I'm, you know, kind of sitting down and noodling at the piano. The guitar was just so cool. I mean, every time you saw, a, you know, a magazine, you know, at the at the rack at the grocery store with a guitar player on it, it's like, there's just something about it. And so, I wanted to play guitar. I wanted to play guitar so badly. Um, so before I got, uh, you know, my, my mom said, well, you know, let, let's do some piano lessons first. And so I did that and, and tried to get out of that as quickly as possible. Um, and then my parents said, well, let's do a band instrument. So I ended up doing trumpet for a little bit. And by age 10, I finally convinced my parents that I wanted to play guitar. It was so excited to play guitar. I actually built one in my basement with, you know, fishing line and screws <laughs> for the pegs and everything. So um, that that sort of spirit of, like, finally having arrived at the guitar, uh, you know, that, that was there for so many years. And I, you know, ended up borrowing one from a neighbor just to get started. And I've heard this story from so many guitar players. So this is like kind of a, an urban legend, but it has, it did happen to me that the first guitar you get has, you know, the strings are like an inch off the fretboard. So it feels, you know, just almost impossible to play. And, you know, but just the thrill of being able to now hear something in my head and put it out into the world in a different way was so much more intuitive than with piano. So it was just immediately 
I got excited because now it felt a little bit more natural. Um, and I guess the backdrop to all of that uh, was just growing up on Wyndham Hill music. Um, so that was always in my consciousness, you know, that, that, that part of every decision, composition decision make, decision that I, that I make uh, has that influence. I mean, I, I will never get away from that, nor do I want to. It's just wonderful era of music that, you know, really just helped my palate, my sense of chords, um, what the, you yeah. know, the, the, the things I wanted to explore on the guitar, you know, just growing up with the Hedges and Degrassi and, back, you know, Will Ackerman and uh, George Winston uh, with the piano textures, um, his sense of melody, all of that is coming to fruition by the time I finally get a guitar because I was listening. My parents had those records going on uh, in the house. Um, so that brings me, you know, sorry if it's a long, you know, uh, uh, answer to your, to, to your question, but I think those early forming years were really important because I'm still trying to uncover what happened in those early years of sitting down with the guitar for the first time, taking all these interesting textures. And I think from that point on, it's just been experiment, follow a feeling when I come across something and a spark happens, what is that? Investigate it. And that could be through acoustic guitar. You know, on this most recent record, I did electric guitar, baritone, uh, had a you know Portuguese instrument called the viola amarantina. Anything to sort of chase that feeling. And, and the, the opening track on uh, this newest record is called Chase the Chills for that reason, because that's been sort of my experience all these years. Wow, that's a great synopsis of your career, where you're at today. And um, obviously, you know, it's so important to have that home life where your parents have some influence and spinning those great records by Degrassi and Winston. And, you know, I got into all that stuff as well many years ago. And I loved it. I loved it. I, I had no idea, you know, where it was going to lead, like you say. Um, I'm not a musician, um, but it, it just brought me to a different time and space in my mind and, and, uh, feeling music and and got me to explore more and like like you're saying you explored and with the guitar and you went on feelings and it's all about feelings mm-hmm. and emotions and and acting upon that and see where it takes you you know and just I love to hear that so that was nice to hear that. absolutely that's you know good art should do that it's sort of like shining a light on something inside yourself you didn't know and then you had grown uh, an attachment to a song that you hear or a painting or something like that. And then you have a personal, you're personally invested in it for years to come. When I hear Imaginary Road, the opening track from Will Ackerman, I'm immediately brought back to, you know, uh, hearing that when I was a kid and rediscovering it years later, rediscovering, you know, I love that feeling of sort of having all of these different sounds part of your own personal narrative. So it's like investigating yourself, you know, just getting into all these different styles and genres. And, and Wyndham Hill was one of those that just felt like, um, you know, it's still, whenever I go back to those, they still give me that feeling. Uh, it's wonderful. That, that, that's what good music should do. Right. And it's always a joy to hear it. It never gets old. It's, yep. um, it, in a lot of ways, that's how music becomes iconic. You know, albums like, the first release from Boston or the first Bad Company mm-hmm. album. I think about those and say to myself, good Lord, I can't imagine being a musician 
and putting out such a great first album. Like I was listening yeah. to the first um, Stone Stone Crows mm-hmm. album, and there's not a bad song on it. And it's like, God, how do you top something like that? The expectations and pressure yeah. must be incredible, you know? Yeah. I think about that. You know, I've, I've always heard, you know, different artists talk about, you know, they have, you know, 10 years to make their first record and two to make their second. So obviously it's, you know, when you first get signed, it's all of the best that you have. And now you tour that record and now the second one is what you do next. And something that has always blowed, you know, just still continues to blow my mind is just the arc of the Beatles with all the pressure on them. They still delivered every, there's not, there's not a, a click through track, you know, and I, I love right. that. So I, I always try to, um, you know, just learning from that, that whatever project is in front of you, give that absolutely everything without any, um, you know, without looking past, uh, you know, oh, am I going to top the one I did before? No, like everything is a new entity needing to be formed and you need to listen intently and not worry yeah. about what you did before. It's new in front of you. And that's, that's something that sort of keeps me ignited. Right, living in the moment. And I said the Stone Crows. I meant the Black Crows. <laughs> black Crows. Totally oh, black Crows. Okay. <laughs> I was like Stone Crows. You know, I, some, it rattles my subconscious a little bit. But <laughs> <laughs> oh man, maybe uh, not enough or too much caffeine today. I don't know which. But oh, that's funny. Um, what I like too is this beautiful chaos. People are going to look at that and go, "Well, what does he mean by that?" And, you know, I'm mm-hmm. thinking about it, and the, the chaos that goes on in your mind can be positive or negative. And I think with mm-hmm. you, it was a very positive thing, and that's how you interpreted it and came up with the title. Am I hitting the, the right very buttons so. here? Yeah. yeah. Very much so. And the crazy thing is, you know, so I wrote a lot of this record um, around 2017, 2018, and I recorded it in 2019 with Corin Nelson, who's, you know, been one of my production idols for years and, you know, finally got to work with him. Um, And so we recorded in 2019 and then with my uh, uh, just, you know, traveling schedule, we didn't get to it that fall, but uh, in the spring we were going to, um, you know, release and then 2020 happened. And the funny thing is, you know, I I can talk about the backstory with this beautiful chaos, but um, when the pandemic first hit, it was like, you know, um, all of those songs took on a totally different meaning to me, you know, and now this had been released, you know, uh, uh, I guess September of 2021. And so I've revisited all of them and they mean, you know, something totally different to me than when I first, uh, you know, was writing them and some of the message behind. So this beautiful chaos to me was sort of a sum of the last, you know, however many years, of my life, you know, getting married, you know, house and uh, having a daughter and then, you know, traveling, doing the touring thing. And, you know, at any point, everything uh, is just sort of swirling around in these years. And uh, I had a tour in China in 2017. And I remember when I landed, you know, it's uh, you know, 15 hour flight, 12 hour time difference. I was just completely, um, out of my home creature comforts. It was just a, a totally unique experience to land there. I'd never been in, you know, a time change like that. That was my first time to China. And it was so 
beautiful. I had such a wonderful time and, and learning the language. And I ended up playing, I think, about eight different cities there. And each city has kind of its own unique uh, – people were wonderful. The culture is awesome. And I uh, flew from there. After that, I played a festival in Colombia, South America. So I flew home to Philly, uh, did some laundry, and went back to the airport and, uh, you know, flew down to Colombia. And I just remember right. thinking, you know, uh, the, the, the sort of uh, juxtaposition of those two cultural experiences as sort of a metaphor for life. Like you will be thrown in all of these different situations and you can panic because you don't have sort of your home creature comforts, or you can embrace the situations for what they are and find something beautiful. And so, you know, I came home with, with, um, you know, a couple of uh, musical ideas in my head, but just this idea that whatever my life is right now, I'm not saying it's a beautiful chaos. It's mine. It's this beautiful chaos. It was sort of an affirmation of how crazy life gets. I'm going to dig into it and find something beautiful. Well, then the pandemic hits. Now I have to really practice what I preach. Is this a beautiful chaos, you know? And so that's been such a special thing for me to revisit this record and get it ready for uh, release. I've never had that before where I had, you know, a, an album done and I had the message, what I thought was fairly intact, you know, and, and the narrative was there, the songs, and then it just had to sit because it just didn't ever feel right to, to get out there. But, um, you know, that, that idea of just saying yeah, whatever life is throwing at you, if you can just sort of step back and say this, this may be chaos, but this is also beautiful. Um, and I know obviously there's been, our, our whole planet has suffered in so many ways and we've all, you know, been touched by this in crazy ways, but is there something beautiful in the midst? Can music help bring you back to that routinely? That's what that was, the core of that record has become to me that I didn't quite know when I finished recording it. Mm, the silver lining in the black cloud, right? <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, so many artists have put out things that have been inspired by this difficulty we've gone through with the pandemic and everything else that's going on in the world. And it's, mm -hmm. it's so nice to be able to put on that music and think about the message and soak in all those good vibes. You know, it's, it's very healing. Yeah. I think, I think great music. I mean, every, um, you know, every era of music is really sort of internalizing, digesting, living in the cultural moment. And um, I somehow with each of these uh, songs, I, I feel like as if I wrote them in the middle of the pandemic and, and I didn't, you know, um, but, you know, so the new next batch of songs will, uh, you know, reflect that. But I've always loved that when the, when an artist can kind of really live with what's happening culturally and express that because it makes you feel attached to it in a different way, you know. Definitely. You know, interesting um, what you had to say about China. There's so much negativity out there about them, the communist totally. nation, and, you know, how they yep. want to take over the world and they want to go into Taiwan and take them over. They already have Hong Kong. It's like, and you said it was so wonderful there and the culture is wonderful. So obviously, you know, being on the outside looking in, you only can go by what the media puts out there. Um, mm -hmm. For you, um, were any of those things going through your mind when you stepped off that plane? I had, you know, uh, one thing that was interesting to me, I had a friend who had toured there before, sort of 
you know, let me know that it's it's really just a different world in China, different, you know, uh, different histories. A lot of times when we think about history, it's in terms of, you know, you know, the Greeks, the Romans, like you know, a lot of Western and, you know, the Renaissance and all of what we understand to be history. They're just different points in the cultural understanding in China, you know, and in that part of the world. And I've always loved that. When I was in college, I, I, um, I went to school for uh, like philosophy of religion and I was very fascinated by, you know, some of the Zen traditions and, and, uh, and, and so, you know, reading Chuangzi, some of the Taoist sages, you know, I've always been fascinated with that part of the world. Um, so I was sort of expecting, you know, just a really interesting experience, but yeah, we get really, you know, you get really one part of the headlines, uh, uh, out, outside there, but once you get in there, the, the people, you know, you're not, we didn't talk about politics. You don't talk about, uh, you know, government or, or this or that. It was just a human to human. There is a language barrier. So there's, you know, like the, um, you know, have a translator that's on stage that sort of, you know, you, you tell a joke and then you wait until it's translated. And so you don't know if it's funny or not. And then they laugh and it's delayed, you know, it's very interesting. But then the music starts and there is no translation. The whole, it's, it's the barrier is dropped. That is such mm-hmm. a profoundly beautiful experience to me that whatever negative headline comes from either side, you're really with another person on the planet in a way that is more true than your cultural identities or news headlines or, and that, that was very profound to me. And from the food to, you know, the, the, the sense of humor, which is, I just, and just the pace, you know, the chaos of, of Beijing traffic was so funny to me and yes, very stressful, but um, you know, again, looking at it, it, beautiful in all of it, you know, so much of what gets thrown at us, we already perce- have, preconceptions of what it is and that gets filtered into our brain and that affects our experience of it. But what if we just remain a little bit more open? Is there something outside of our perceptions that we can experience? I think that's what I learned there. And now, yeah, obviously with so much, uh, you know, after the pandemic and just, you know, um, you know, I actually spent, I had a concert there in Wuhan and just, um, you know, some of the people there that uh, had, responded to some of my tunes from, you know, years earlier, it just reminds you yet again of all these layers that you build up um, and that we build up on ourselves and each other and different cultures. And at the core, we're really just fellow human beings. And uh, it's good to be reminded of that from time to time. Music erases all the borders and preconceptions. Like you said, it all goes away. And that's all you have is, human beings and people listening to the music and interpreting the music their own way, you know, absolutely. And even more so with instrumental, you know, it's so true. Right. Yes, definitely. I always say that too. It's when you can produce instrumental music that moves people, that creates images Mm -hmm. in their minds, that helps them to Mm -hmm. meditate, um, relaxes them, puts them in a different time and space. That is a God given talent. You know, you're not using words to express yourself. It's just the music. And the music has to be very powerful to make all those things happen. And that's why I respect it so much and people like you, you know. So. No, that means a lot. I feel like uh, it's a constant check with every decision of is this true to me? 
and I, you know, that there's that uh, quote, I think it's attributed to Einstein, although everything is, you know, uh, but that whole what is most personal is most universal. And I've sort of taken that to heart over the years as a songwriter that when I really feel I connect with an idea, that's the point that I feel like will be most universal to connection, you know, with somebody else. So I, I, I want to get better at that process. But at the end of the day, if something moves somebody, it's not I don't think it's from some, you know, talent. It's just really from a discovery of what feels true to me and then hoping that I can share it in the most refined way possible. But what I put out there, if someone feels something, it's because I felt that too. I want to make sure I structure my life that I feel something, I can respond to it, and then I can share. But I want to feel it first to make sure it's honest when someone hears it. Well, that's the only way you can interpret it if you're going to be true to yourself, right? Totally. Totally. That's it. Well, you know, this has been a wonderful conversation and it's, you know, it's like inside the music, you know, what's happening with the artist and what drives all that. And it just really put everything into proper perspective for any music listener that wants to know more about how music's created and why about the artist. And I really appreciate all your time today, Trevor. Hey, I appreciate it so much. Thank you for your support and, you know, digging into my tunes over the years and for this conversation. That I'm very grateful. Thank you. I am as well. Feeling mutual, and I look forward to your next project. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You take care now. You too. Thanks. All right. Bye.